Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. In today's text, we are in the final chapter of the Book of the Song of Solomon. So we'll read through the text, we'll cover the text, and we'll also do a little recapping of the book as a whole. Oh, that you were like a brother to me, who nursed at my mother's breasts. If I found you outside, I would kiss you, and none would despise me. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, she who used to teach me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the juice of my pomegranate. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she who bore you was in labor. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of Yahweh. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. We have a little sister, and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build on her a battlement of silver. But if she is a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. I was a wall, and my breasts were like towers. Then I was in his eyes as one who finds peace. Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman. He let out the vineyard to keepers. Each one was to bring for its fruit a thousand pieces of silver. My vineyard, my very own, is before me. You, O Solomon, may have the thousand, and the keepers of the fruit two hundred. O you who dwell in the gardens with companions, listening for your voice, let me hear it. Make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains. This is the word of the Lord. So in our text for the day, as we look at the top of the chapter here, what we're looking at to begin is really the idea in verse 1 that in the Israelite culture, there wasn't a lot of public display of affection. So the, the wife and her husband, they're not showing off their marriage in front of of others in their culture. And so she is wishing in this moment that he was a brother to her instead, that she could be with him publicly, that she could show her affection for her, her beloved husband, or in that case, brother. There is some comparison here for the church. Jesus Christ is our groom. And at the moment, in this present time, we can't show that that love that we have for one another openly and in public because Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father and we're waiting for that time when we get to come together. Were he our brother, he would be right here with us and we could show our love for one another as we, we go to church together, as we live in community together, those kinds of things. Verse 2, she has a longing to serve her husband. In paradise, we will serve the Lord. 
Verse 3 is a repetition from chapter 2, verse 6. Actually, verse 4 is from chapter 2, verse 7. It's also chapter 3, verse 5. As we look a little bit more deeply at verse 4 again as a reminder, you can't force marriage. We know that. When young couples in particular try to rush into relationships, it often ends so terribly and so disastrously. And so that's the bride's comment here, her warning here, her caution, is that you don't try to force marriage. You let love happen. Um, When you find it, you find it, and it's a wonderful treasure. And this is true of our faith as well. You don't force it. You don't go chasing after and running after whatever desires your heart may have. The faith that we have in Christ is a wonderful, wonderful gift and treasure. Verse 5 gets into the idea of the care of a mother or her child. Um, As we look at the the context here is you think of this as the husband is Solomon, his mother is Bathsheba. But as you think of this as Christ and the church, then Christ's mother from his time here on earth would be Mary. So you could have some conversations around those things here. Could be a question that you even ask your children. See if they know who was Solomon's mother. That's a tough one, probably for many children. That's probably a tough one for most adults as well. Um, Not a lot of biblical Old Testament knowledge these days, but could be good to review together. And then ask about the mother of Jesus. That's a much easier one for our children to get. As we looked in at verse 6, sealing something is making it official. It's making it binding. Uh, The signet ring of the king would have uh, some kind of a design or a pattern or something that he would use that that metal engraving in his ring to push into often hot wax or something like it that could then be formed and molded by his ring that was his official seal on something it's a binding declaration the bride is asking for this to be upon her and upon him bind Bind yourself to me, essentially, is what the wife is asking for. Make this official. And that's happened for us as the church. This begins in our baptism. Ultimately, when Christ returns, we get the fulfillment of all of it. But Christ has already bound himself to us. We are united with Christ in our baptisms, Romans 6.3. If we're reunited with him in his death, we're also united with him in his resurrection. The seal upon your arm, uh, easy to picture. As you think of the couple arms linked together, and the wife has her hand placed upon her husband's arm as they're walking side by side. The next part of verse 6, love as strong as death, jealousy fierce as the grave, Love, death, grave, and those words should have us thinking about who and about what. It's a good conversation, again, for our children to be able to respond to as we think of Jesus 
and his great love for us that led him to the point of death and placed him in a grave for our sake. The flashes of fire are an Old Testament picture of God. Theophany. Uh, Theos is the Greek word for God, and then an epiphany is a revelation of something. So theophany, the revealing of God, an appearance of God. Think of, as a family together, brainstorm this. When did God appear as fire? See what I can come up with a brainstorm. Genesis, I think it's chapter 12 or 15, the covenant being made with Abram, God appears as a melting fire pot. Certainly got Exodus and the, well, burning bush in chapter 3. Later in Exodus, you've got the pillar of fire by night. So a fire cloud pillar that goes along the people. And there's a few Old Testament examples. Comes into the New Testament. So the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the disciples as fire. Tongues of fire. What looked like tongues of fire came to rest upon their heads. Those are just a few examples. And again, you can see what you can brainstorm together as a family. Now, as we think of this verse 6 and 7, the picture we're being given is that marriage is a permanent bond, a permanent union. And as we get this language of, of flashing and flame, the very flame of Yahweh, this is a picture of, of battle um, that is going to be protected, the guardian sword placed at the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were expelled, that was a flaming sword. So there's another fire example. So not only is she, the bride, asking for God, for, for her husband to protect their marriage, make it official, protect it. So we as the church have asked the Lord to do the same. And he does. The Lord has battled against sin, death, and the devil for you. Flashes of fire. And instead of water quenching our faith, water gives life to our faith in, in baptism. And the last little bit of that one, love can't be bought or sold. You can't buy marriage. You can't sell a marriage. And this brings us to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, where we learn that Jesus bought us, not with gold or silver, but with his own precious blood. So there's a connection to the text here. So we look into verse 8. The others, the outsiders, the daughters of Jerusalem, who have been so much the audience of this letter, are asking how they can bring a child to her groom. So here we have a husband and wife. Now the others are saying, okay, well, what about this child? When this child grows up, how, how do we take care of her and provide her to her groom? Verse 9 gets at the idea of what the child's own behavior. If the child was a wall, faithful, a virgin, or if the child was a door opening and closing promiscuously, um, is the, the idea here. Verse 10, the Shulamite woman, the bride, responds, She has been faithful. 
She was a wall. She was a virgin. She was, in his eyes, one who finds peace. She was faithful to the point of marriage. She got to enjoy that marriage. This is what we are called to, is we are called to faithfulness in the Lord. Not idolatry, not adultery, as we chase after false gods, which don't just have to be false gods. Anything in our life that we trust above God himself is a false god. So if you put your family before the Lord, your career, your money, if you trust in your your retirement savings instead of the Lord to care for you, well, that's an idol. You're committing adultery. That's the way the scriptures speak on these things. So God has called us to this faithfulness. And so again, the, the outsiders, the others are, are asking, okay, how do we prepare our child for marriage? I guess we could look at that as the church and, and say that same question. How can, or parents could say the same question. How do I prepare my child for her groom, for, for his groom? How do I prepare my little one or our little ones as a congregation to be united with Christ someday? That's an excellent conversation at the individual household level and at the church level. Ways that we can, as parents, teach our children the faith and make it known to them how important this is, that it's not just an add-on to life. Jesus isn't just an extra. He's not just a thing for an hour a day. He is our very life. Everything we have comes from him. Everything that we is is pointed to him. And we look forward to living in his presence for forever. And as the church... You know, how do we work with parents? How do we equip them to have these conversations? How do we equip them to teach the faith to their children? Again, that's one of the goals of this podcast, and I hope it's helpful to some who hear it. Verse 12, and the Shulamite woman has the marriage, and she has the fruit. She has the reward, and so she gives everything that she has to her groom. We as the church, have the promise of our groom, of the marriage that is to come, and we are his. We give all that we are to him. Verse 13, we get one last verse response from the the husband, from Solomon. And I just want to focus on those last words. Let me hear it. As we think of this whole thing and the the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church, this would be a call to prayer call out to him, pray to him. And what do we pray to him? The first two words of verse 14, make haste. That's Revelation twenty-two twenty, the apostle John teaching the church to pray, amen, come Lord Jesus. Hold him to his promise. He has promised he is coming back for you. Hold him to it. You get this great picture in the, in the New Testament, Jesus, the parable of the, of the 10 virgins, and in order to understand that parable, you have to have a little bit of concept of, of wedding co- customs at that time. It was, well, it'll strike you as odd, but when the groom has, has gotten himself into the position where he can take a bride, she will gather up her, her friends her young maiden friends, uh, the 10 virgins in the text, and they will wait with her. And it becomes like a game. The groom will come for her whenever he 
is ready to come for her. And she is to wait until he comes. It could be hours. It could be days before he arrives. And she is to be ready whenever he comes. And that then becomes the point of the text. Five of the the virgins were prepared. They were ready for for the Lord, for the, the groom to come whenever he would come. Well, five of them weren't. They were preoccupied with other stuff. We are the bride of Christ. We are to be ready whenever it is that our groom chooses to return for us. We do not know the day or the hour, but he is coming. He has promised. We are waiting for that time that we may then get to enjoy that marriage feast with him and his kingdom that never ends. That has been the goal of this book, is to show you as a husband is to his wife, so is Christ to his church. So as this letter is so wonderfully written between husband and wife, Solomon the king and the Shulamite woman, who is actually unnamed in the book, so it is between Christ Christ and his bride, the church. We wait for our groom.